You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Tigers in 20 Off the Boards, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast hosted by lead writer Christian Fowler, where he brings you the latest interviews with players, top recruits, coaches, and more in both football and basketball across the city of Memphis and around the nation. Here is your host, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Off the Boards. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and Open Doors program director, Chris Cutt. So, Chris, I just want to get right into it. Uh, instead of me trying to sit here and explain what Open Doors is, uh, since you're the expert on it, I'll open the floor to you and let you explain what you guys do and and how you are involved in name, image, and likeness and, and helping out student-athletes. Yeah, no problem. And again, thanks for having me today. Uh, Open Doors is an athlete marketing platform with the vision simply of helping every athlete. And so we're positioned to help in the name, image, likeness space for college athletics because we've been doing it as a company for nearly a decade. Uh, we, we are a, what most people know us as a content sharing tool. So where athletes get photos or videos or graphics from their athletic department or their team, and they post on their social media to kind of build their brand, build up their, their platform, if you will, being an athlete at whatever institution or, or team they play for. However, we also have this other part of our company where we've been working with the NFLPA, um, I believe since 2013, 2014, um, but has spurred off into other opportunities with the NBA PA, NHLPA, MLBPA, and many other high, high level professional organizations where we are helping them um, be compliant when it comes to endorsement deals off of NIL contracts or, or opportunities with professional athletes. And then we also work with brands and companies out there in the space now who are looking for athletes to partner with and, and do deals with, whether it's a social media post or something a little more expansive upon that. Uh, they come to us and we have, you know, essentially a database analytics that back it all up of these are the athletes that we think you should work with. Or they come with us and say, hey, we want to work with these athletes. And we say, great, let's let's kind of facilitate that deal. So we understand how the market works because we've been in the professional ranks for nearly a decade, as I said. Uh, but we also have a, a share of the market in the college space already with content sharing tool. And so we're basically just kind of taking these two parts of our company, two parts of our whole approach and bring it together because of the NIL changes that are, are definitely coming July 1 at some states and, and hopefully uh, nationwide with the NCAA or federal legislation by August 1. Yeah, Chris, so you you mentioned that this is kind of a phased approach right now as of today. I believe there are six um, or maybe a few more states that have passed legislation, California, Florida, Colorado, Nebraska, New Jersey, Michigan, and a few others with pending legislation. So this is not an across-the-board standardized thing. And one of the things that I find interesting is, for example, I saw Florida State just you know, unveiled their new social media push uh, related to the Florida legislation and name image likeness. Uh, their push to show how attending a state of Florida institution like Florida State can benefit them as a student athlete was tremendous. I mean, they they put together a very strong brand for the Seminoles and why students should choose Florida State because of their state legislation. So 
from your perspective, how does this kind of uh, tilt the seesaw, uh, so to speak, in, in favor of schools like Florida State if they were recruiting a player that maybe, say, a, a Tennessee school is uh, recruiting? It, to me, look from the outside looking in, until this is standardized across the board, Florida State's got a leg up. Absolutely. And we partner with Florida Atlantic, FAU, and Florida. Uh, those two schools have been partners with us for the last few months. So schools in Florida have saw, saw this a while ago, and they're only making faster moves on top of each other. Um, that's exactly kind of the, I will say, issue with a state-by-state approach. And everyone's recognizing this, but just because it's down the road, July 1 or even further, uh, no one's really ready to address it. But this creates an uneven advantage across college athletics and recruiting. And if you know any coach, whether they're head coach, assistant coach, director of ops, whatever it may be at any program, doesn't have to be the high profile programs, they want as many advantages as they can. And the good ones use it to their advantage. And so Florida, every school in that state, if they do not have an NIL solution in place yet, they are actively doing it. I can guarantee you that. Or they just simply, um, for some reason, are choosing not to do it. But it's because their coaches are saying, hey, we're going to lose out. We need to use this as an opportunity for us to get ahead of the Clemson, get ahead of the Alabamas, um, or whoever Alabama may not be, because I believe their state law is in place now for 2021. But there's other schools in other states, such as Memphis and Tennessee, that are going to be behind in Florida if the current rules stay as they are. And so, yes, they are all diving in. Um, I do believe this is just water leveling out eventually. I think it will certainly be every state has some sort of solution, whether it's coming top down or them driven by it within their own borders, uh, because, you know, more and more coaches are going to say, hey, what are we doing as a, as a state to solve this, this issue that's in front of us now and that issue being recruiting disadvantage? Yeah, I mean, you keep pointing to the July 1st date later this summer, and so, I mean, is the expectation from your perspective kind of on the backside of this industry watching it play out, do you expect this legislation to pass with the NCAA? And if it doesn't, what happens? What's next? Yeah, I mean, I would expect it to pass just based on NCAA President Mark Emmert's quotes and comments throughout uh, the, the process, even when it was delayed in the January vote. I mean, he said, they, he would make sure that it's passed for some sort of August 1 cycle. Um, so I expect it to, but that's not me within the walls of the NCAA or any sort of governance meetings uh, in terms of where they stand as of today. Uh, I can say in just last week or two weeks ago, they were had uh, on their agenda in the NCAA meetings about the third-party administrator, which is essentially this hub where you feed into your transactions or deals and he kind of looks out for any sort of um, misbehavior by by boosters or donors who are giving out of market deals to, to recruits to pay, basically a pay to play scheme. And so the NCAA had it on the agenda. They basically were evaluating whether they want to move forward with that idea, not choosing a partner, but just evaluating whether PPA is something they want to do. Uh, they punted it, and I believe the quote was, you know, they will reevaluate it in May or next month, right? Um, so you know, they continue to push it down the road. And so we kept that in mindset, you know, let's say they do let it just kind of happen because there's really nothing that's telling us otherwise. It will be, uh, I guess, from a headline standpoint, very chaotic. And what I mean is, you know, people are going to write about, hey, this is working in their favor in some states. Um, I believe the states that are passed for 2021, what I mean by that is the effective dates are 2021. 
are Alabama, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, and New Mexico. Okay, so those four states have schools that are gonna basically get that first headline that says we got an athlete to commit to our university uh, because we persuaded him or her for NIL opportunities. And that's gonna cause chaos in some minds. So if, like I said, if we, we continue to play this out, like there is in action by any level, state, federal, or NCAA, uh, you will see that. Um, as I've said, it's, it's watering, leveling out eventually, and, and it will be back to a solution from a higher governing body standpoint. Um, but I, I still even think if that was in place, there's going to be chaos in terms of people understanding what they have. I mean, we as a company know what this looks like for professional athletes, but professional athletes don't have individuals or groups that donate money to a school and so that's a whole other level to this for college athletics is like, what is their involvement, right? How does that money, um, does it change? Does a donor find it going to an athlete as opposed to a school at some point? I, I don't think so. I mean, that's just not really good market um, marketing, if you will, or good use of your money, but it, that's what's causing concern. So that could happen. Um, I don't think it will happen, but there's still so many lessons to learn because it's a whole new thing in college athletics. Not a new thing to any, any level of sports necessarily. As I said, it happens every day at the professional level. There's there's indications of how it plays out, but because of that donation booster um, development side, it, it changes the conversation a little bit. Chris, I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier when you were talking about coaches and coaching staffs reaching out um, and trying to learn different things from you guys about the NIL, the NIL situation. How important is it, in your opinion, for coaching staffs to get ahead of this and to learn as much as possible as they can about, you know, how to how to work how to work it, you know, how to work with the players, how to get the best for their players, and how to use it as a recruiting tool? Absolutely, and, and some coaches say I don't hear it on the recruiting trail. Some coaches say I do hear about it. Either way, it is your advantage to talk about it with recruits, and why your university uh, is a differentiator from any others that are recruiting them. I mean, Memphis is a, is a fascinating market for a college athletic department. I mean, it's a large city, one of the, the second largest in the state, one of the top 25 or top 50, depending on how you measure it in the United States. There is natural interest in that university just from a city's population standpoint. So a coach at Memphis, if they whether they have a solution in place in terms of programming or anything like that, they need to know, they need to arm themselves with the right information and saying, when you come to University of Memphis, we are offering you a market or opportunities that you cannot find anywhere else. You know, you, you, you basically bring out, here's my alumni network. Here's that basically can lead to a job or, or some sort of sales network down the road. If that's part of their career, uh, you point out the, the size of the market, you point out the different businesses that are in the, the city itself, whether it's FedEx or whatever it may be like you have all these different pieces already in your backyard that you should be having conversations about. So coaches need to lean in. And, and I also say that way because I've been doing this long enough to be at the, uh, in the sports space when social media took off, right? So we're talking 2009, 2010, right? This was before you can literally put a photo in a tweet. And at that time, the coaches were very concerned about this being a distraction, right? Social media being a distraction. It still is in some many coaches' eyes a distraction, but there was always this like, don't hit send or, or, um, you know, don't be on social media at all. You can't be on during the season. Those coaches have been passed by. There are coaches who were much more on the cutting edge of that conversation about how to 
maybe think about it in a more constructive way as opposed as a negative source of everything. And, and that's not saying there's not a negative now today with social media, but coaches saw the opportunity with it. And so those same co coaches who either were innovative before or adjust as they should are either doing it now or the up and coming coaches who, are, who weren't around necessarily in their roles back in 2009, 2010 are seeing this as their tool to get better with their programs. And so they lean into it. They have constructive conversations about it, right? Social media can be used for brand building exercise where you are not only setting yourself up for NIL opportunities, the correct way to talk about it is you are basically putting yourself out there with a resume. Your Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, whatever it may be, that is your resume. A fan or an employer can go to your profile and know everything about you based on what you post. And so if you think about, well, not hit, don't hit send, think about what you're hitting send with, then you, then you can see how this can be an advantage. And so coaches are having those conversations with athletes because that's what they're looking for. There's that connection. And with a connection, usually leads to commitment. And so the ones that will to be on the front edge of this for the next three or four years, you know, the longer term is, is a different story. The next three or four years are those coaches who leaned in early. So I think I think you draw an interest, interesting comparison between social media and the NIL stuff because we know how much social media changed college athletics and recruiting, as you mentioned. And I think you put it put it perfectly that you know coaches can go and see a resume on there. They can see. Uh, where you go to school, what position you play, you know, X, Y, and Z when it comes to social media. And I think we can all agree that this is the next step in college athletics. This is the new cutting edge in college athletics, you know, being the name image and likeness. So in your opinion, I know this is a pretty broad question and you can go a lot of directions in it, but I'm interested to hear your opinion on it because you've seen how it's affected professional sports and how much more of a factor it is now in professional sports than it was maybe 15, 20 years ago. So how does this change the landscape of college athletics moving forward? Yeah, I think a lot of people, when you just talk recruiting, a lot of people say it's the new arms race, if you will, right? Facilities were of a certain decade and, and social media was a certain decade. That is fair, right? It is, is your way to separate yourself. What I'm looking for is that, and I think it's already done in some places, so I'm not like the first one to think of this, but what I'm looking for is that first school that says, yeah, we got a facility and it, it's more or less on par with everyone else. But, you know, why does it meant to say, yeah, we have a YouTube studio where you can come in and build your brand. You can literally, you know, sit there and log out the, the office time and you can go in and record your videos in our space or a podcasting studio. You know, you guys can get some more competition from some athletes at the campus there, but you know, why don't, why doesn't a facility have that? You know, I'm talking athletic department wide, not necessarily football where they can come in and just use the equipment, whether it's renting, if that's part of the legislation, right? You can't necessarily give an athlete um, more opportunities than a general, or a general student at that school. That's fine. But why aren't people investing in resources that their athletes can use to build their brand? Um, that's where I think this will change college athletics. Um, if it's not allowed, right? If athletic departments cannot provide that because it's, um, I guess, in some convoluted way of uh, facilitating NIL opportunities. Well, you know, a college campus is going to put that in the middle of it, right? They're going to have a YouTube studio. They're going to have a podcast studio. They're going to have equipment in the library where everyone can access it to create the content that need to build their brand. And so what I think college athletics will change, I think you will see some college campuses as a whole lean into it and invest in it because they know they can provide this to a lot of different uh, students at their campus. 
um, not just athletes who are interested by this very model itself. So um, it's, it's going to change in terms of the resources and what people invest in and, and kind of empower these creators within the athlete uh, body or a student body. Um, and, I, and I also say, no, there, there's also the concern of, as I said earlier, the, the donors taking some money and, and not necessarily donating it all to the campus and putting it towards athletes or brands and companies who are currently working with athletic departments, you know, whether it's a big brand or a local brand uh, in the area. And they say, well, I'm going to, you know, take half of that and give it to an athlete because I want them to do the commercial as opposed to working at athletic department. Why I bring that up is while that may be true, and that's certainly easy to speculate, this has been occurring in the professional space already for decades. You know, brands choose who they want to work with. Patrick Mahomes gets these endorsement deals because he's Patrick Mahomes. I would find it hard to believe that someone working with the Chiefs said, I am not going to work with the Chiefs never again, and I'm only working with athletes from here on out. That's just not how they do it. That's just not smart marketing, right? You're limiting your market you're reaching, right? You're only reaching the people that follow Mahomes as opposed to a wider general body of the Chiefs. So I do think that's somewhat of fan fiction in terms of like this mass exodus of dollars. Um, do I think there'll be some percentage? Sure. So some athletic departments will have to understand like what is the shift in giving or what is the shift in sponsorships? And basically how do they make sure that they either find new revenue opportunities or kind of expand the pie as opposed to worrying about how the pie is distributed. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So on, on that note, kind of shifting just a little bit, you kind of spoke to how this affects universities and the landscape in general. Uh, one thing to me that I find interesting is that this entire conversation is about something that is to benefit the student athlete. And so many times we forget the student athletes, both, you know, in, in media, we cover them day in, day out, but we forget the human aspect of, of it. We forget the fact that they're not paid and compensated for their name, image, likeness, or abilities um, with anything other than a scholarship and a stipend. So for me, you know, kind of, covering recruiting the way that we do, getting to know so many student athletes and the human side of it. 
I automatically tend to drift towards the the how do how do we help make sure that student athletes understand this, understand how it benefits them, how to best take advantage of all of the rules in place uh, that that they can benefit from. So if from your perspective, if you're sitting down in front of a any student athlete, whether it's current NCAA student athlete or a prospective student athlete, maybe a class of 2023 football player, what is your number one piece of advice for them? You spoke about, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Brands sponsor him because he's Patrick Mahomes. They sponsor him, one, because he's a tremendous football player. But the other reason that he's Patrick Mahomes is because of the you know, off the court persona, the the social media interaction that he has, the the kind of the larger than life persona that he has, uh, just outside of football. So, student athletes have to take all of that into account. What do you say to them? What's your advice? Don't wait and start now. Uh, and they already have; they just don't realize it. Uh, these, these, these young people obviously have been on social media since they're 14, 13, whereas, um, you know, generations before it were either late in the teenage years or sometimes 20s, 30s, whatever it may be. And so when I say don't, don't wait, start now, don't wait to brand yourself or position yourself. Start now. But start now thinking about how you can use social media to your advantage. Think about it effectively. You know, as opposed to sharing, well, the lazy example would be sharing food, but as opposed to just spouting off something, um, or sort of some sort of, uh, some sort of lyric of some sort, right? Like tie it into your brand. Like, is that what you want representing you? If I go read that, am I going to know more about you as a person, as a men's basketball, women's basketball player, volleyball, football, whatever it may be? How do I know this is an athlete either I want to do an endorsement deal with, or as I said, in a realistic way, is this someone I want to hire one day? Uh, and so for athletes to really kind of take that in as much as they can at the young age of 16, 17, or 14, depending on what sport it is and who's talking to them, like that's hard. That's really hard. They don't know anything. Their, their perspective is too small as we all are. But if they can just think about it slightly differently about how this is something that is productive and, and being a creator as opposed to a consumer, then they can maybe start seeing some tangible results. And, and the other part is I, I would encourage an athlete to ask the question to the recruiter, the coach, the assistant coach, what are you doing to help me in my brand building? What are you doing from an NIL perspective? Because everyone can talk about, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get you, you know, some education on it. We'll, we'll get you uh, some photos to share. That's great. But like, you got to uphold that promise sooner or later, right? Someone's going to transfer one day because that promise wasn't upheld. That's not speculative. That's just true. That's just anything, whether they're promised. Uh, workouts or playing time or whatever, maybe NIL is that. And so if athletes just know a little bit about what the world is in front of them and how they actually are uh, steering the ship in many ways uh, based on the things they push out on their social media channels, it can only empower them. Now, there is the flip side of that, right? It can be done in a way where it's they think they're being constructive and next thing you know, it spins out of control just because it's taken by someone else. And so you have to have those conversations too. Like, not all posts are a good posts. Even if you think it is a good post, you have to make sure you're understanding anyone and everyone who's reading this one day. Um, there's a little bit of vulnerability, right? You have to overcome that, right? You're doing things constructively. Uh, and it's going to take time. We had a really good conversation with Brandon Chubb a few weeks back 
former Wake, Wake Forest football player, was on some NFL rosters for a little bit. Um, he basically said, you know, looking back, it's going to take at least a year before you think you're in a position to really have a brand or be in position to get NIL endorsement opportunities. And so if you already accept this is not going to happen overnight, which is what you should be telling athletes in high school in, in many ways, uh, then you start being, okay, this is a bit of a process. It may not be fun because I want results today, um, but if you know it's going to be something you can chip away every day, just like you chip away at getting better at your sport, um, then, then the results will be there sooner or later in, in whatever way you dictate. Well, Chris, I think that's all we have for today. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us and uh, discussing this topic with us that I think we're all going to be talking a lot about over the next several months. And obviously, as we've talked about in this podcast, how much it's going to change the landscape of college athletics over the past several years. So, Chris, like I said, I appreciate you for joining us. And uh, thank you for giving us some insight on everything that has to do with name, image, likeness, and branding. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just going to add one more thing. You guys want to know who the best athlete uh, ever to brand himself was? He's the head I'm coach a- of the men's basketball program at Memphis. That's the, the, the patient zero of branding themselves and making the most endorsement opportunities. So Memphis, as I said, the market, Memphis as the men's basketball team, as all different athletic programs, it's, it's in a position to succeed if it leans in. Well, Chris, on that note, one, one last thing now that you say that, I wasn't going to bring it up, but, you know, in terms of uh, – signature shoes and some of the best selling shoes uh memphis actually has two of those guys in, in both penny hardaway and derrick rose uh you know penny hardaway obviously with the foam posits and his branding with nike for for the university of memphis the men's basketball program specifically how does how does that impact their ability to get out in front of this you know to have such a strong branded presence as the head coach of that program to be able to, you know, basically say, I've done it. You can do it too. How does that help the men's basketball team and program at Memphis? Well, I mean, it just goes back to basically athletes will see the results. They'll see an individual who was able to do this. Now it's certainly a different era than nineties compared to 2021. Uh, but that doesn't mean the principles of what Penny Hardaway did or, or even Derek Rose, if he comes around and you learn from him, you can easily see how it is achieved and, and you can point to the success on the court and being a bit of a dictator in terms of that um, opening up more doors. But what I'm saying is that didn't happen by accident. Do you think people just jumped on Penny Hardaway because he's only good at basketball? There's lots of good basketball players. And so Penny Hardaway can have a great discussion with a recruit. He's obviously a great recruiter already today, but this is only one more thing in his back pocket. Be like, You want NIL opportunities? Come here and learn from our program. You learn from me. Uh, we'll, we'll basically show you how to balance this all and what you should really expect in terms of the people that are coming around, uh, the opportunities that lay in front of you. Um, he can only he can't facilitate deals as a coach, but he can have conversations about info information about the whole thing. And so for anyone to see that and be like, wow, I can't find this at any other university, um, that's only an advantage. Uh, the other part is you have to lean into it, as I, as I alluded to earlier, like as a coach, you know, you have to see this as like, I know this, no one can offer this is my differentiator. Let's, let's start really having constructive conversations about it. So uh, while there's not necessarily shoe endorsement deals or shoe lines coming out for Memphis basketball players anytime soon, um, there are potential opportunities either associated with shoe brands or just endorsement deals 
that only one head coach can speak about it uh, probably the best uh, without quickly looking at all 300 plus that exists out there in the D1 space. Well, Chris, that that's tremendous. I think that's uh, of extreme value for the primary segment of our listeners. Uh, with that said, real quick, give a shout out to uh, how people can find you, Open Doors in general. Uh, if people want to look you guys up, tell us a little bit about how to find you online. Yeah, definitely follow us on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or, or whatever it may be. It's at Open Doors, O-P-E-N-D-O-R-S-E. Um, the reason why I say follow that account is not to, you know, hear about the products we offer. We literally give you insight into how this NIL space works, whether it's looking at the analytics of professionals out there, um, you know, estimated potential earnings by some athletes, whether they're college or pro. Uh, we constantly have content that educates you on what this all means. It is not just dollars. There are things feeding those dollars. And so, um, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I feel like we do a great job of sharing uh, content that can have some conversations among fans, not just teams and athletes. So at Open Doors on social, opendoors.com, obviously learn about the company itself. Um, but I do recommend hitting that follow button a little bit. All right, Christian, you got anything else? No, I'm good. All right, Chris, from one content creator to another, I appreciate your time. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tigers and 20 off the boards. If you enjoyed this interview, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the university of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily and you can join the go tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind the scenes information. 